All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, July 17th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live, American style. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And the European tour is officially over. I am stateside. I am back in New York City, a coastal elite, back where he should be. And my to my body, it is 5 a.m. And I have not slept in almost 24 hours. You know, that is jet lag for you. But you know what? My brain does not need sleep to process the box office. So I am ready, Clayton. I am ready to look at this dead reckoning opening weekend. I am ready to look at what is going on with this. I mean, I came to America and the sound of freedom is seems to ringing be ringing in your ears. It's ringing. You hear it when you when the plane landed, you hear so you heard it, didn't you? Something's you ringing in my ear, and it may just be the sound of freedom. So, Clayton, could you please? Give us a plow for the weekend of Friday, July 14th. I certainly can. Number one, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 made $56.2 million in its first weekend, a total gross over the five-day of $80 million. Number two, just like we called Sound of Freedom, made $27 million. That is an increase, an increase of 37%. It added 313 theaters. It stands after two weekends at $85.4 million. Number three, Insidious, the Red Door, made $13 million, down 61%. No theater chain change. It's at $58 million in its second weekend. Number four, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny made $12 million, down 56%. It lost 735 theaters. It's at $145.3 million in its third weekend. And number five, Elemental made $8.7 million, down 13%. Lost 205 theaters. It's at $125.2 million in its fifth weekend. That is your top five. All right, Clayton, obviously Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 is the movie to talk about to sink into. It's the it's the huge new movie that opened this weekend. But I'm proposing we have to start this episode talking about The Sound of Freedom. To me, that is mm-hmm. the box office story of the weekend. So like you said, we called it in the sense that we both had this movie coming in at number two for the weekend on our weekend prediction show. You know, we both thought yes. it would come in ahead of last week's winner Insidious Red Door. But we, I mean, I think I predicted this to make 15 or 16 million and, and sneak ahead of Insidious. It made 27 million. It increased 37% from last weekend. Yeah. Last week we were talking, could this movie make a hundred million? It's now at 85 million. That's a slam doink. A hundred's a slam doink. I mean, a hundred is a slam doink. Now the question is, is this movie going to make 150? Is this movie going to make $200 million domestic? Clayton, what, you know, I've been out European vacation, European tour. I don't want to say European vacation because that's not copyrighted. It's the B.O. Boys European tour. And I, I haven't had boots on the ground, dirt in the mouth you know, feel for the sound of freedom the way you have 
being in the States the whole time. You celebrated the American holiday of 4th of July while I was out in Europe. What is going on? How did Sound of Freedom increase 37%? You know, that is a Puss in Boots last wish week uh, uh, after Christmas type increase. You don't see this with just action dramas increasing 37%. You know, not going from uh, uh, a limited release to wide release. This is, you know, it added only like 600 theaters. This is just more, I'm not going to say more people went, but more tickets were sold. How do you think this happened? What is going on? Did you say, no, it added 313 theaters. It added 313. So not that many theaters, nowhere near enough to cause a 37% increase in its second weekend. This is, this is, uh, historic, I guess, you know, the, the, I, I, what something's happening here, Clayton. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about this film that I d- didn't realize when we were initially started talking about it, is that this film sat on the shelf for a while. This was this movie was initially made for 20th Century Fox. Okay. And then it was shelved when the Disney merger happened. Okay. So Disney and didn't want Angel, this. Angel, well, no, it's not. I mean, they just probably thought, oh, okay, well, we don't, you know, let's auction this off because it's not going to be a hit. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a movie that's very heavy, you know, with a heavy theme starring a, a star that doesn't really have butts in the seats or we didn't think had butts in the seats with Jim Caviezel and got acquired by Angel Studios. And now has this amazing marketing campaign uh, behind it. I mean, the strength of this is the pay it forward. Right. And the pay it forward enables you to not only purchase tickets for yourself, but to buy tickets for other people so they can then get a ticket and see it. So right. what this does. Or, or not see it. You know, we're. Or we're, not see we're it. Getting, yeah. We're getting, you know, reports. Uh, and listen. You can't take anything you read on Twitter for you know, take it all with a grain of salt, take it all with a bag of salt. But we are getting different reports where people are saying that, you know, I looked online and the showing I went to was 80 percent sold out. And then I go to the theater and it's, you know, a quarter of the theater, a quarter of that auditorium has people in it. We're seeing different mm-hmm. reports for different screenings, a different, and it's going to be different from place to place. But the pay it forward format is going to lead to more tickets sold than butts in the seats at auditoriums. Yes. And we're not here to say that all these auditoriums are empty and that actually no, because people are going to see this movie for yes, whatever reason yes. they want to see it. But the pay it forward definitely is creating a situation where more tickets are sold and more box offices accounted for than people actually putting their butts on chairs, putting their mouths on popcorn and movie theaters. That that there definitely is some of that happening with this. But but this is where okay, the first step is complete where now this is a story. It's all over yes. Twitter and a lot of times tweets aren't tweets aren't ticks. T- uh, um TikToks aren't necessarily ticks. Right. But people are mobilizing to this movie or at least talking about this movie and buying out 
these showings, even if people don't show up, it doesn't matter because it's showing up where it matters, which is in the box office. Right. The story of this weekend is going to be Mission Impossible just acting like a normal Mission Impossible movie, but Sound of Freedom jumping through the roof. Right. That's the story. That's now. the story. And what's going to happen with that is that normal people who are just interested in seeing regular movies are going to be like, what is this movie that is making almost a, like, you know, $80 million at the box office that I've never heard of. Right. And they're going to check it out. That's where it, it, so that's where we're getting to where if regular people who are not engaged with the uh, scam and we say scam lovingly that each ticket ticket represents a, child endangered right right now at this point i mean are there this many children endangered are we going to reach to a point where there's more tickets than children that are endangered what happens then that's scary to me right well the original original uh uh slogan of this movie was they wanted to sell two million tickets because every ticket represented one of these 2 million kids who were kidnapped or could be kidnapped or they're predicting in the next 10 years. I, I don't know what these exactly what the 2 million number is, but it was 2 million kidnapped kids. So they wanted to sell 2 million tickets. That would have been at an average of $10 a ticket. That's $20 million in box office, you know? So they've way surpassed that. They're at 80, what is it? 85 million uh, total. Yeah, they're at they're at 85 million total. So now that is 85 million kids. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine that maybe over the course of human history, 85 million kids have been kidnapped. But there's, listen, I don't have police well, data in pa- front of it's me. Not but every, it, it's not every dollar. It's every ticket. So right every now. Every ticket, you're ticket right. Act- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So then it's at $10, dollar. that's 8.5. That's 8.5 million kids. That still seems high. That still seems very high for, again, one year worth of kids. There's no way that there's not that many kids. There's not that many kids. You'd have to have almost all your kids be kidnapped for, for the official, the, the official ticket count right now is right. A, a little over 7 million. I'm on the website, on the angel studios it, website. Obviously people could, could purchase those at a ticket booth. And it won't show up on the Angel Studios calendar, well, but it seems like very little of that is happening. Well, but I mean, that's the thing is that you said around eight. So there would have to be people who aren't going through the Angel Studios system right. in order to buy tickets. Those They're are using regular Fandango. ticket buyers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that is the thing is that this is now transferring over to being a big news story that normal people who don't usually go see movies are going to now be interested and check it out. And that was, I don't know if that was the plan all along, but if for angel studios to be a player in the industry or a alternative to the industry, which is what they seem to want to be outside of Hollywood, this is a shot over the bow because they already have chosen, which is a huge TV hit. So they got TV and movies. Not many studios can say that. Right. They've got IP with Chosen. They've got existing IP. But Sound of Freedom all comes down to this pay-it-forward ticket scam. And, of course, we're not saying scam with derision, but it is a scam. But it's a scam yeah. that's working. 
And well, 3D the, is a scam. I mean, sure, you know, of the, course. Yeah, it's all yeah. scams. If it works, it's not really in front of you. That That's not real. It, it's not going right. to hit you in the face. A ping right. pong ball is not going to hit you in the face. It's a scam. Right. It's a scam, but it's a great scam. So the 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 having a ticket represent a child that was great marketing really played to this base. Obviously, going forward, I don't know if you could ever replicate that because it's going to be hard to come up with something that is as visceral to this fan base as kidnapped children. You know, your next movie can't be, you know, for this movie, every ticket you buy represents a Toyota or something that Mm -hmm. would that would a bomb obviously foreign car they they their audience would hate that but you know what i'm saying what do you what could you do that will be as visceral as your ticket represents a kidnapped child the thing is it's it's just again it's so many children now if you're looking at they've sold 8.5 million tickets so they're representing 8.5 million kidnapped children um yeah it's now now it's uh, it's almost like you're 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 getting honestly you're now you're only getting like half a child per Mm -hmm. ticket you know like when you really look at it i think people are going to look back the more tickets this movie sells once it gets to 200 million domestic then people are going to look back and they're going to see the number of how many kidnapped children there are how many tickets they sold. So they're going to have to look at it realistically and say, my ticket in the end was only worth a quarter of a kidnapped child. Yeah, absolutely. And how will they feel about that? How will they, they feel, feel about betrayed that? by that? Right, right. And here's, here's something for the future. Obviously we focus on box office, but do, does sound of freedom go to PVOD or do they just try and sell physical DVDs in six to eight months? And then at that point, does each DVD sale equal a child? Maybe because this DVD mm-hmm. is a lower quality product it, than it going to a movie theater. You know, right off the bat, they say every DVD equals one third of a kidnapped child. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and see yeah, they how can't that goes. they can't make they they can't make it the same worth as a theatrical experience. Right now, if you're a theater owner, and again, I think this is something we're really going to have to dig into in the next week to see how many of these pay it forward sound of freedom tickets equal people going to the theaters. Um, I, I am just curious to get the, the input from theater owners on how this movie is doing for them. You know, mm-hmm. if they are, but the thing is people are going to this movie in way bigger numbers than they ever could have expected these theater owners ever could have expected. So even if these auditoriums sell 80% of the capacity and only 20% of people are there, this is a movie that you thought would have sold almost no tickets in its second weekend, a couple of weeks ago. So it's, it's found money. It's found popcorn for these theaters. Even, even if the pay it forward gives you a lot of empty seats for tickets sold. They wouldn't be adding theaters if this was bad for theatrical. Right. right. And like you said, these sort of religious movies barely ever top out higher than the $30 million mark. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a huge hit for a religious film. Right. And this thing is going batshit crazy, is going to end up bigger than a lot of 
movies that we thought were going to be big hits this summer. And that is found money for the theater. When you get into a movie making over a hundred million dollars, like you said, that's amazing. Even right. if they're not buying as much popcorn as someone who goes to see Spidey cartoon. Right. I mean, right now, Sound of Freedom's at eighty five million. I think I think one hundred and fifty is going to happen at this point. You know, we're looking at mm-hmm. a movie that could do one hundred and fifty to two hundred million. And so that gives Sound of Freedom a chance to it will outgross Insidious Red Door all the way through. I mean, that's a definite. Yeah, it could conceivably make more than Indiana Jones and the Doll of Destiny domestic. Right now, Indiana make Jones more than it, the Flash. I mean, it's going to make more than the Flash. Flash is topped out at one hundred and six, so that's a slam doing. Sound of Freedom is going to make more than the Flash. It's going to make more than No Hard Feelings. It's going to probably. Make more than Transformers, which is now at 152 after making three million last weekend. So Transformers uh-huh. probably tops out at 160. And I yeah. think at this point, Sound of Freedom does over 160. It's gonna make more than Elemental, which is at 125. Um, and made eight million last week. So Elemental could get to 150, but again, I think Sound of Freedom is making more than that. Um, I mean, those are like four or five. Big summer movies that Sound of Freedom is probably going to end up making more than. This is out of control. And here's the other benefit that Sound of Freedom has is that you don't have to see this on the biggest screen possible. Right. There aren't people who are saying, well, the IMAXs for Sound of Freedom are sold out, so I'm going to go next week. They're going and sitting in theaters that have no air conditioning. They're going, Mm -hmm. they're just going to places to see this that are rat hole movie theaters. Right. And I'm not saying that rat hole movie theaters are good. They're bad. We'll get into mission impossible and why there should be more PLFs, which we pound that drum every weekend. And even more so now Mm -hmm. we need to talk about that, but this is beneficial for how theaters and theatrical are set up now, which is that there are these bad, crappy, ripped up seat mm-hmm. theaters that people will go see this movie in just to promote support. this movie. Yeah. Support yeah. it. Yeah. Every theater has a rat hole auditorium in it. Every theater, even the nicest, newest movie theater in the trendiest neighborhood is going to have that one screening room. That's got a screen, the size of a television and it's got the fabric chairs and the AC doesn't work and there's bugs running around on the floor. Even if next door it's got an IMAX with leather reclining seats that that warm your butt, you know, and they're they're giving out truffle popcorn and that kind of there's always a rat hole auditorium. And yeah. we're seeing different, you know, d- different people are posting, oh, the Sound of Freedom Theater had no AC. The Sound of Freedom Theater had staples sticking out of the seat, whatever they're saying. And the thing is, they're complaining. Welcome to the theater going experience. Well, that's I think that's something a lot of Sound of Freedom Theater goers haven't been to a movie in a long time. And they're not realizing that there's always a rat hole auditorium. The AC is always off in at least one auditorium in every theater. And you just happen to be in the one now. And I think the theater owners know they could put Sound of Freedom in their rat hole auditorium because 
They could, yeah, they could put it in a in a, a broom closet. They could put it in a broom just closet. Just pull the screen down and uh, project it. It's people can sit on buckets, turned over buckets, and they'll watch this movie. They'll watch it. Maybe they'll complain. They'll put a, a you know, a, a complaining TikTok on there afterwards, and they'll say, "Oh, the theater owners didn't want us to see it." No, they wanted you in there. They just wanted you in their rat hole auditorium that had no AC because the people who would go see guardians of the galaxy volume three, they're not going to put up with that, but the sound of freedom people, they're going to put up with that because for them, sound of freedom is a cause for guardians of the galaxy viewers. It's not a cause or at least not and also, in six a weekend. It's not a cause. So they're not going to sit in the rat hole auditorium. And also a lot of them are just going to buy tickets for, and and not show up, right? I mean, that's right. also not a thing too. But out of those 313 theaters that were added, how many of those were janitorial closets? Right. I, I'm not saying that there. I mean, probably 25 percent of those were converted rooms, right? That are just selling tickets because people are buying tickets. I at this point, you know. So many of those tickets sold are not going to be used because they're paid forward tickets and you're sending tickets to people who don't even know that someone's sending them a ticket. So they're not going to go theaters. But, but you have to, you do, you do have to go to the step of putting the code in and getting the ticket. Once you do that, it's a ticket that is, is, is usable. Got but it. again, those codes are just floating around. If you try to, if it, once you buy a ticket, to pay forward, it generates a code and that code is money, right? Right. So right. it's just living there. So right. it is like, it's even if people never cash those in, that is, t- that is money that somebody paid. I mean, theaters at this point could just start setting up pretend screening rooms for this movie. You know, forget the rat hole auditorium with no AC, forget sticking it in a janitor's closet. They could just, I mean, honestly, that I think is the next level of the scam is everyday Americans could just say, hey, I run a movie theater that's showing Sound of Freedom and Mm -hmm. just say that their kitchen is a Sound of Freedom screening room and let Angel Studios set up a pay it forward that directs ticket buyers to their kitchen. Yeah. You know, because if people aren't going to show up and maybe you get two or three guys who buy tickets to the sound of freedom and they go to your house because they really do think it's a movie theater. So you'll have to deal with that, but you might sell like 40 tickets to pay it forward. People who will never show up. And to me, that I mean, mean, that's a great business model right now for the next couple of weeks. It's not something you could count on three to six months from now. But I think next week you could, people could start setting their kitchens up as fake sound of freedom screening rooms to generate some ticket sales for themselves. Yeah. I mean, we don't know how high this thing could go, but the, the main thing is that it, it could go all summer because once Barbie and Oppenheimer are out, you're going to get mission impossible. People probably, you know, seeing that film, but there's really not much big coming after that. And Sound of Freedom could just keep on gobbling up these theaters. Right, right. Because they don't have to be all the all the big movies can get the the PLFs, and this can just be in all the little rat holes. So 
last week, Sound of Freedom added 313 theaters. Of those 313 theaters, how many of them do you think were early scammers who said that their kitchen is a movie theater that's showing Sound of Freedom? I don't think yet. I think, think that's yet. next week. I think okay. when the theater counts increase – even though you have Barbie, Oppenheimer, and Mission Impossible, that's when we know kitchens are in play. Yes, yes, yes. That's when we'll know kitchens are in play. I think most of these new the- these new theaters are janitorial closets. Okay, and, but and, and they're and not homes yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're rat hole auditoriums and janitorial closets, but they're not homes yet. They are not kitchens. They're not garages. They're not the side of buildings. These, uh, you know, and again, you're seeing some videos of of Sound of Freedom uh, moviegoers saying my theater had no AC, my theater had, you know, thumbtacks sticking out of the the seat cushions, whatever. I think part of that is theater owners, you know, A, they're sticking them in their rat hole auditoriums, but it's also, in a way, giving the customers what they want, because I do think a lot of the Sound of Freedom theater goers they want to be tested. You know, it's a religious, it's a religious crowd and part of any religion or, you know, is, is trials and tribulations and being, te- having your faith tested. And I think that turning the AC off or, or putting them in the theaters, the auditoriums where the AC is already broken is a way of giving this crowd what it wants, which is to test their faith. You know, can you sit in a sweaty auditorium to show your faith in Sound of Freedom? So uh, to me, that's like, I don't know. I think that's like rumble seats for uh, uh, going to see Avatar. You know, no AC is like the rumble seats. Not to be blasphemous, but I mean, Jesus was lost in the desert for I don't know how many. What was it? Years? Years. Whatever. Yeah. Years. And they can sit in a theater for a two-hour movie and sweat a little bit and feel a tiny bit of what Jesus felt. Right. And then the other thing about it is that a lot of the people who are behind this movie and are going to see this, like you said, their whole thing is they want someone to try to stop them. They're they're all about the the gospel of the mask. Somebody stop me. Right, right, right. right. Somebody stop me. Somebody stop me. Yes, exactly. Now, I cannot do an imitation of the mask because I am a SAG after member and I am on strike. So you will not be hearing any imitations of anybody. I can say quotes from movies, but I cannot act them out or try to mimic them because that is acting. Yes, yes. And I am on strike currently. So that's why if you think that that was half-assed, it's not – that was solidarity you were hearing. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Clayton's but there on strike. Is, I am on strike. There is an element of an obstacle is positive for this group. Mm-hmm. They want to think that this is something other people don't want them to see. And it's all this marketing is just expert. And then this viral thing that's going on where people are realizing that most movie theaters have terrible screening rooms, but they never go see movies. Right. Right. And and I I think I think that is an opportunity lost for theater go for for theater owners in general or for the movie going populaces business is that you've got this new group of people who are 
buying movie tickets. Some of them are going to the movie theater for the first time in God knows how long. And they're getting a bad movie theater experience if they're getting no, to but see. But for this, but for for this them, audience, they, love they want it. They love it. it. That's they what they it. want. We can't stay on this too long because we got to talk Mission we gotta Impossible. We got to talk Mission Impossible. But at, those, at the end of a video, we got sent a video of a couple, a young couple, who were talking about their screening where they didn't turn the lights off and they didn't put on the air conditioning. Number one, these theaters are run by teenagers. Okay. Of course, this guy was smoking, he was smoking a vape and not paying attention to what he was supposed to be doing. And he didn't turn the air conditioning on. He didn't turn the lights down. Right. Yeah. yeah. At the end of that video, they didn't say, don't go to see this movie. They said, go see this movie. Yes. They said, go see it. They said, go see it. They love the experience of, of sweating in that movie theater. They, in the end, that's what they needed. That's what they needed. There could be they a wanted video to where be tested. Says, the cops came in and dragged out the guy next to me. We asked him why, and they said, shut up. Shut up and watch the movie. And they dragged someone out. And those people would talk about this in a TikTok, and they would say, you have to see this movie. You have to see this because movie. someone got dragged out by the cops. You have to see this movie. Here's here's nothing, the last. There's nothing horrible that could happen in one of these theaters that someone wouldn't TikTok about it and say, you have to see it. You have to see it. It's all good marketing for Sound of Freedom. If Jesus was alive today and going to movies, he would go see his movies. He would go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. He would go see Barbie. He would go see Oppenheimer and he would see them. He would see them in the worst movie theater possible, you know, because geez, remember, remember from famous ending of Indiana Jones and the last crusade, Jesus's cup was not the one with all the sparkly diamonds. It was the wooden cup. He was a carpenter. He would sit in Mm -hmm. the auditorium that has no AC and has thumbtacks in the seats and has the lights on the entire time. And so that is what these Sound of Freedom theater goers actually want. So it's all working. It's all working. Clayton, we got to talk about it. I mean, it just goes to show uh, we haven't talked about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 because Sound of Freedom was so big. But we got to get into this. I mean, it underperformed. It it. Like it underperformed our expectations. Yes. It did not have a Top Gun Maverick bump. It didn't happen. It, no. It performed like a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Yeah. This is the money that a Mission Impossible movie makes. So now we know that this franchise has a ceiling. Yes. Yes. If it if it was ever going to bust out in a major way, you would have thought this would have been the one because it's the movie that came out a year after Top Gun Maverick. And that didn't happen. Obviously, this movie did not do poorly in any way, but it is not going to be a Top Gun Maverick, and it's not going to be anywhere. I I think the thing that we saw with this opening weekend is it's going to be very unlikely that this worldwide gets to a billion dollars, which I think Mm -hmm. was a hope a couple of months ago or even a week ago, but, even a week ago, there was still the hope that that mission impossible dead reckoning part one could be a billion dollar baby. And now that seems unlikely, but so let's go over the numbers. 56.2 yep. for the three day, 80 million 
for the five day. I mean, this started on a Tuesday, no Wednesday with Tuesday previews. Yeah. I, well, I'll throw to you on this first. Do we, do you feel like that was a mistake? Should this have just opened on Friday, July 14th? Yeah. And I hate to be, I know why they did it to try and get these PLFs to try to get these IMAXs. I mean, this movie did Bafo Bobo in mm. IMAXs and PLFs. Mm. I mean, mm. these Tom Cruise movies, he keeps saying, see it in the biggest screen, see it in the biggest screen, see it in the biggest screen. And people right. are doing it. Right. Those are those are sold out. Those screens are sold out. Right. And right. the problem is there's only so many. So people right. are going to wait for a PLF to see this movie. So that's why all these Sound of Freedom people are getting all these theaters because people are not going to see this movie necessarily in a regular theater because they've been told you have to see him jump off a cliff on a motorcycle with no uh, no strings in the biggest screen possible. And they're going along with it. Right. But the fact is there's limited screens. So what's keeping this movie from going higher is that there's so much competition for these screens where Maverick didn't have that because Maverick had the perfect opening weekend and the perfect runway. Yeah. And also I will say though, this was never going to be Maverick never. because it's a one in a life, once in a lifetime movie. Like we said, it's a flash during our deathbed movie, right? This is a seventh installment in a franchise, right? That is still going strong, but it just didn't break out from what it normally does. Right, right, right. And with Maverick, obviously, like any Tom Cruise movie, there was the push that you got to You want to see this in IMAX. You want to see this in a PLF. But I do think Maverick had that emotional component and that character mm-hmm. component that allowed it to do huge business in just standard movie theaters in a way that yeah. Mission Impossible was all about the stunts and was mm-hmm. all about seeing the special effects or seeing the stunts or seeing it in PLFs that the non PLF screenings were not a priority and not as sold out as Maverick was in standard movie theaters because people went to see Maverick because a, it was a sequel. It was the first sequel to a beloved movie from 30 years prior. And there was all that emotional attachment that people had for the character for Val Kilmer coming back, so on and so forth. And the patriotism factor that uh, is not part of a mission impossible. These movies are much more international globe trotting and whereas Maverick, you know, is, is, is very, very, um, is going to excite that, you know, that American, stacks and plain billy and earth dog base that mission impossible now, always has trouble with i've gotten pushback about this where mm-hmm. ethan hunt i think is a cold character i've been told by a very close friend that all he does is sacrifice his mission for the people he loves but you don't feel that when i when when you watch this movie you don't think of ethan hunt as a person ethan right. hunt is a machine right you know where maverick had humanity maverick was the best at everything but still you know he had to jump out a window when his paramour's daughter showed up and he gets caught as a 50 some year old man that's humanity that showed humanity 
you know, him wrestling with the death of his his uh, flight partner and dealing with the son that hated him, you know, uh, Goose's son. This is humanity here. That That's lacking in these movies. As much as I like them, it's lacking there. And that is something that connects people in a way that is greater than Ethan Hunt just does crazy shit, which is awesome to see on a big screen, but it's not going to get the repeat viewings that make people cry. I mean, I saw Maverick three times in the theater and I got misty every single time. Right. So, so look, putting Maverick aside and then just looking at this movie in terms of the mission impossible franchise, there was still the hope that this would be the fast seven of the series. And this is Mm -hmm. the seventh mission impossible that even though you're this deep into the series, this would be one that really breaks out from the previous and that didn't happen. And so I think with this series, you've got to just assume that's never going to happen. And again, this is a high grossing movie made 57 in the three day over 80 million for the five day. It, it It's a fine opening weekend, but I think like you said, this series has a ceiling and is never going to break out past what it already has in some ways fallout feels like the high watermark of the series. Cause that's the one yeah. that really did a jump from the previous. Whereas yeah, it had a 61 million opening, which is more than this did. Right. Uh, I mean, it's probably gonna, I mean, this movie will have legs cause I do see it coming back to premium screens after Barbie and Oppenheimer. Maybe. Have, but, but I mean, the thing is, okay, we won't get into it, but Barbie is going to be so massive yes. that it may just eat everything. I, I, because, I, I, and I think that's what we're seeing with these pre-sales. These pre-sales are redonkulous. Yeah. So we can't get into that now, but the idea that this movie is going to somehow survive and thrive in a way that, you know, Fallout did. I don't think works because like you said, there may not be any screens for it. It'll do fine, but it's not going to be this crazy, crazy step up from fallout. It might do less. It's probably going to do less. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because the, this series is a leggy series. It caters to an older audience. Older audiences don't necessarily go at opening weekend so on one hand, it's, it, you definitely could say this will be a leggy run throughout the rest of the summer and the the slightly underperforming opening weekend isn't a big deal because it's just going to bank weekend after weekend. But I think that the, some of the issues it has going forward is that Oppenheimer is very direct competition. You know, next weekend mm-hmm. Oppenheimer comes out and... The tracking on that is good. It's going to open at half of what Barbie makes, but it's still going to make 40 or 50 million. And that is a direct conflicting audience with Mission Impossible. You know, that is adults and that is people looking for a more serious movie than you get in the summer. Sound of Freedom is also conflicts with this older audience. You know, that probably did. You know, I didn't think it was going to be possible but that did legitimately take some of the maverick bomb no you did and you were you were eating dirt and now i'm eating some crow but well you because you were eating baguettes in the south of france or wherever you were there was no way i i I will give you i was eating fromage 
you know, those, I don't you, know what you that would call is. them cheeses. I call them fromage. Okay. Well, you're an American now, so you call them cheeses, but here's the thing. I can give you a pass because you were over there breathing French air. Right. You weren't in your right mind. You didn't right. know. You couldn't hear the sound of freedom right. across the ocean. But now you're back, back in the New York groove. Right. And you're hearing the bells, the bells, yeah. the bells. So sound of freedom definitely did eat into the possible Maverick bump. But I do think what's going to hurt the legs of Mission Impossible the next month is if Barbie opens to 100, you know, some crazy number, which is now very much on the table. I People think, are saying it could do close to Mario numbers. Yeah, the, the the Barbie number, we'll get into it later in the week, could be just out of control. Yeah. And right now, you know, Barbie was the one that was getting pushed aside for the PLFs. If Barbie does what Barbie looks like it's going to do, it is going to get a ton of PLFs back in the following week. So, so there are PLFs that maybe Tom Cruise thought mission impossible is going to acquire two or three weeks from now. Barbie opens to 100, 150, something crazy like that. Barbie's going to be getting handed a lot of PLFs and that is going to be a problem for dead reckoning. Oh yeah. Because if dead reckoning doesn't gain PLFs in its second, third, fourth weekend, then the legs on it are going to have some trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because even this movie in its five day opened lower than Dial of Destiny. Yeah, let that sink in. I mean, but but I think the but, the but five day the re- of Dial of well, go for it, go for it. You well, I was going to say you can talk about the five day, but the reason why it's different, mm-hmm. and it's not just because we want to bash Disney or any of that BS. Mm-mm. It's because. A movie like Crystal Skull opens so much higher mm-hmm. than Fallout, right? It opened twice as big as Fallout. This movie, the in Indiana Jones, even though it had the same budget, which is a problem, and budgets are a problem. We've talked about right, how budgets right. are a problem. They're both $300 million movies, but they both shot, tried to shoot during COVID. So that was right. – terrible for both of them it's a bit of an anomaly with the budgets yeah yeah so we're gonna have to figure out after this what happens with budgets when there isn't you know a work stoppage but i guess the sag uh thing will show us also what happens with another work stoppage Mm -hmm. but saying all that the difference is that this still set a record for mission impossible five day even though it was the second mission impossible which was what 20 some years ago yeah came out in 2000 yeah it still did really well. It didn't drop off a cliff. It did not. No. It went under our crazy expectations, but it performed like a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Where Dial of Destiny did not perform like an Indiana Jones movie. It performed right. like a terrible, terrible bomb that nobody has interest in. Right. Indiana Jones 5 is a drop off in a big way from the opening of Indiana Jones 4. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is a slight uptick in the five-day from Fallout. You know, so so basically, the bottom has not dropped out of the series in any way. It just did not get the Maverick bump. And that but doesn't I'll tell look you like what, that's going to happen. I'll tell you what. Even without Sound of Freedom, I feel like this would not have gotten a Maverick bump. The Maverick bump was fictitious. 
This is something that I've been saying from the start, mm-hmm. okay? From the beginning, that Maverick was a once-in-a-lifetime film. The Mission Impossible movies are not set up for the same people to see it. And this has proven it. But that is not saying that Maverick's success is Mission Impossible's failure. Exactly. This is a, se- this is a number seven. It's a part one of two. Well, And it still did well. It is... In retrospect, was that also a mistake? Why did they yeah, call this part one? Just people call this Mission shit. Impossible Dead Reckoning. And then, and then make people mad. Yeah, With a cliffhanger? Or, or also just don't do a cliffhanger. Here's something uh, I will say is I saw this movie in a movie theater in the town of San Remy in the south of France. And so, so, uh, big, big shout out to Cine Palace in San Remy. Excellent theater. Went with a friend. We walked in. We said two for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. The French woman immediately said in French, basically asking us, do we understand that this movie will not be shown in English? It is shown dubbed in French. And we said, yes, we understand this. We don't care. We saw this movie two and a half hour movie completely in French. And I loved this movie. It really showed me and we're not critics, huh? But huh. I think it did show off a strength of this series and specifically this movie is that so much, you, you get everything you need without hearing any of the dialogue. And for others, that might be a criticism showing all of the, the dialogue writing is is not that good. If you don't even have to understand or to love it, the visuals, the facial acting, everything is there without understanding a word that they're saying. So to me, I think that's going to help it translate, you know, within the United States because people are tired of talking and, and around the country, all we do is yell at each other, go to a theater, just look at the images on the screen I think mm-hmm. that's going to show that this movie translates well across the United States. And listen, Mission Impossible has always been an international play. And the fact that I was able to go watch this dubbed in French and enjoy it as much as I did, I think that's going to show that that is a good sign that this movie will continue to do well internationally. And maybe something like Oppenheimer and possibly even Barbie are going to have a harder time internationally and dead reckoning will be able to keep cleaning up there. Cause again, mission impossible does need to clean up internationally. Cause that's what these movies always do. And I think it will. I mean, that's the thing is that it's opening strong. We don't talk about worldwide, but it is opening strong there. Mm-hmm. And you know, listen, would it have been fun if this movie opened to 90 in its five day over a hundred, you know, yeah, that would have been awesome, but this movie just showed what it was, which was it was just another Mission Impossible movie. It has mm-hmm. a ceiling; that ceiling is high, but it's just not going to bust through it. Nothing is going to. I don't even think the last film, which now God, there's all these. Why do they do this? Tom Cruise is talking about this. The next one isn't going to be the last one anymore. It's like this hu- hubris. You just gotta end it. Because any sort of any sort of momentum you got from this being one of the final chapters is now gone. And now I guess it's like for these sort of things, it's just like 
bands saying they're retiring. Like Kiss retired in the 90s, in the 2000s, in the 2010s, and now they're retiring again. And I don't believe them. Right. And we just will never believe that anything's going to end. So don't tell me that this next movie is going to be the last one because we know that's not true. Right, right. Which I think is fine. I mean, I know we, we, you know, we, we talked about that a lot with the Fast movies that they absolutely need to end it on the next movie, that franchise out of steam. I don't think Tom Cruise needs to talk about the end when it comes to Mission Impossible because creatively these feel in a much better place than the Fast movies. Obviously, box office wise, it's not going to have a Maverick bump, but the series is not falling on a decline the way the fast movies are. So I I think it's just a waste of time for even for him to hint at the end, let him consider making three, four five more mission impossible movies right now. I I think he's totally in a place where he does not have to pretend that it's ending just every two, three years, there'll be another mission impossible movie. And for right now, that's a totally fine idea. But what I will say is overall, you know, Tom Cruise's whole Messiah thing, savior of the box office. He always will have saved theaters with Maverick. Yes. But, you know, he promoted subpar movies. Now he's going and saying Blue Beetle is what theaters need. This movie, with all its promotion, it had a ton of promotion. I mean, this thing had so much promotion. And for it only to do... Number one, less in its opening weekend than the last one, which, of course, was diluted by being a five-day situation. Right. On weekdays where people have to go to work. If this you know, movie like, had opened on the Friday, it probably – it wouldn't have made – Fallout. Yes. I think if this movie had just had its Thursday night previews and opened officially on the Friday, the three-day weekend, which would have included the Thursday night grosses – would have been probably closer to 70 million. It would have made yep. the 80 plus million that this movie made in its five day. But I do think if it had just opened on Friday, July 14th with previews the night before they got rolled into the three day, that's probably a three day weekend of around 70 million. And I because think it's, nobody... there is a different narrative, even though that's less yeah. money, you know, that's 70 million is less than 85 million. I think the narrative is different if it only opens to a three day of $70 million that I think I do think that was narratively a mistake, if not. Oh, yeah. You know, hard numbers wise, because now they're comping this five day to a Memorial Day from 2002 or whatever. Right. When right. It, when it made seven when Mission Impossible two made seventy eight million dollars. Right. And that. People people are, don't want to hear that. They want to hear this movie opened higher than the last one, yes, which was Fallout. Yes. If this movie made $10 million more than the last one, they'd say, wow, now it's even stronger. Right. Now this yes. muddies it because it opened to 56 and people are going to look at 56 and be like, That's didn't the last 61. one open to 61? Right. That's smaller. I know math. Right. That was a problem. Right. That was a problem. And I mean, the bigger problem is you just need to have so many PLFs that this movie could have – lived up to the demand because I do think there was people who weren't able to see this movie in the format they wanted to see. And so they skipped it because older people aren't going to sit in a rat hole theater unless it's for the children. They will want to see 
they will want to go and sit in a comfy chair because of their hemorrhoids. Right. And they want to eat fancier food because right. they can afford it. That's the thing is that this is a premium experience and there's not enough available places for them to have a premium experience. Right, right. And, and I think an issue for the opening weekend of Mission Impossible, but obviously more so the next couple of weeks is last year, like you said, Tom Cruise was the story with Maverick. And I think a lot of people, including us at different points, thought maybe this summer Tom Cruise would be the story again, especially after the terrible June He's going to mm-hmm. come in once again and save movie theaters. And instead, the narrative has been the sound of freedom. What's going on there? But I think in a bigger way, people are waiting for Barbie to be the savior this summer. Yeah. You know, Barbie is very possibly going to be the maverick of this summer. And so Tom Cruise loses some thunder, even though Barbie hasn't opened. I do think in, in there's a lot of people who are just like, I got to wait for the big one. The big one is next week. The big one is Barbie. And I think that does hurt Tom Cruise a little bit because he wanted to be the savior two years in a row. Well, here's, I mean, if we're talking stories of the summer as they are right now, right? Right. And these are not in chronological order, but I'll say Barbie Oppenheimer is number one because the fever over this, I mean, as much as Nolan is mad that his old studio is opening direct competition against him, his movie is going to do so much better now yes. because of this whole thing than mm-hmm. it would have done if it just dropped in November or December, right? Yes, yes. That's number one. Number two is Sound of Freedom. It's got to be. Number three is Spidey Cartoon. Spidey Cartoon, yes. Number four is High, bo- high, uh, you know, um, uh, Bombs like um, Flash, Dial of Destiny. Yes, th- these these um, big franchise movies, these big sequel, these big superhero movies failing. That is the the number four and number five. I'm not. I wouldn't put Tom Cruise in there. I, I think it's TBD. I think the fifth biggest story of the summer is yet to be written because this movie it could just be straight Mission Impossible movie. It could be, could be strays. Absolutely. You know? You know, Kirk Minahan said this uh, on these airwaves uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's predicting Strays to be huge. Strays could be a bigger story this summer than Dead Reckoning. And that's, again, we're not coming here to put Dead Reckoning in that mix of June bombs or Transformers and Dial of Destiny. That is not what happened here. It just is not going to be the big breakout, and it's not going to have what what a lot of people thought would be a Maverick bump. The Maverick bump is not, Did not going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So and just I mean, real quick on the mm-hmm. comedy tip, because we got everything right last, uh, other than the numbers for mission impossible, we got the top five. We nailed it. Yeah. And then number eight, no hard feelings made yep. $3.3 3 million. Number nine was Joyride, made 2.5. Again, Jennifer Lawrence wins. I don't think the joyride, um, you know, uh, uh, run is going to happen. No, no. Probably do really good on streaming, but it ain't going to do well in the theaters. It is DOA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no hard feelings is at this point looks like 50 million will happen. It's at Mm 46.5 and it just made 3.3 last weekend. So it's, 
probably got a few more weekends left where it makes two, it makes one and a half, it makes one. So it'll get to 50, but that's probably around where it tops out. Maybe it hits 55. So it's going to end up at a number that I think is fine, is not anything to do with dance over, but is not anything that lessens Jennifer Lawrence's star. You know, no, I, mean, I, 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 no, I think this definitely shows that she can, you know, make hay out of, you know, uh, a, a, a something that other people can't. I mean, I still, I think this shows that she still is powerful as a star and has right. a base. Right. What, I mean, when you look at just that comparison of Joyride probably topping out at around 15 million and no hard feelings getting to 55 million. The difference there is Jennifer Lawrence. You flip flop yep. her into Joyride and not a No Hard Feelings, and Joyride probably makes fifty five, and No Hard Feelings makes ten or fifteen total. I mean, the problem is, of course, budget is that No Hard Feelings is forty five million, and you can't pay that much for a comedy that's not is only going to make five million dollars more at the theater, right? It and of course, made- it's going to make. It's made another $31 million outside of North America. So it's at 77.5 worldwide. So that again shows what you could get out of a movie star is she, she has a, a comedy out and comedy doesn't often translate worldwide as well as other genres. And it's already made another $31 million outside of the United States. I I mean, again, that's what you're paying for when you pay Jennifer Lawrence or you pay one of these big stars. Their quote is she's able to open a premise of this nerd tries to get laid and it's already made $31 million outside of the U.S. And I mean, that beach, that beach scene. Yes. Is universal. Yes, yes, yes. That's a movie I could have seen at the Cine Palace in San Remy, and it's all in French. And probably a lot of it would would be tougher than Mission Impossible. But when you get to the Jennifer Lawrence beach scene, then I would say, oh, this works in any language. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. I, I'll throw this out here. Clayton, where are you on Pixar's Elemental? Dropped only 13% I knew you were say last that. week. 8.7. It's now up to 125 million. I want to shout out a uh, a fan of the show on Twitter goes by the handle family who tweeted to me a uh, a list of what Pixar releases did in their fifth weekend. All right. What they did in their fifth weekend and elemental uh, is now in that list has the fifth best fifth weekend of Pixar films only beaten by the fifth weekends of finding Nemo up inside out in cars. So elementals fifth weekend did pretty well amongst Pixar movies. Now it's all to say it's holding. Okay. Now I'm not talking another, drop. I'm talking about hard numbers. Here's another thing. Since I'm on strike, I cannot act like I give an S about these middle-aged Pixar fans, who gives an S, who gives an F. When you look at how much this movie has made, right? Sure, it beats Onward. It's beating Lightyear. It beat out The Good Dinosaur, another turd by the same director. It's at 125, okay? 
the movie next highest grossing over that is Cars 3, which is at 152.9 domestic. Mm -hmm. It's not going to reach that. So it is what it is. You know, it it's, might. It's at, it no, it might. won't. Clayton, no, it won't. This Barbie movie is, is holding coming. Barbie is coming. That's the problem. Yeah. There's problem no reason to keep this. And then they've Disney has another turd coming, Haunted Mansion. So they've got to make some room for screens for that. This movie is not, even if it makes 152, it's not going to make 162 and beat A Bug's Life. Listen, I'm not saying that Pixar is completely done and this is a disaster or anything like that. All I'm saying is that the fact that this movie opened so low and people had to wait and see with it and the fact that kids are moving over to Mario and Barbie and things like that, it's, it's, it's doing okay, but it's, this isn't good for Pixar when it's still in the company of Elemental, The Good Dinosaur, and Lightyear. Like, these tiny victories that people are celebrating, I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand why you have to try and continue to prop up this corpse. It doesn't make sense to me. It's personal for them, and that's fine. You can be personally invested, but the fact that every, it, the best, the fifth fi Friday or whatever, who gives a F? I know we give an F because we're B.O. boys, right? right? But this is not a story. This is not – I hear people throwing out Puss in Boots. F you and your Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots is a different story because this is a Pixar movie, okay? Pixar movies are supposed to do Baffa Bobo. Well, that was a Shrek to. movie. That was a Shrek spinoff. No. Let's not I mean, downplay it, it, Puss in Boots and its IP connection. Okay. It's a Shrek What I'm saying is that – It's from the Shrek universe. Don't say Elemental was in the same boat as Puss in Boots, okay? I, I, when people tweet that, it makes me so angry because it's not the same thing, okay? Just live with the fact that Pixar is not a G Goliath like it used to be. Oh, it's definitely and not. But Elemental, especially after that opening weekend, opening, what, half as much as Lightyear, Elemental could have been a full-on death knell for all of Pixar. And with the run it's had since, it definitely is not that and has now become, I think, a, a sigh of relief. And again, Pixar should be beyond size of relief, but Elemental has had a pretty good run since that opening weekend. Whereas I mean, this, listen, after the opening weekend, this could have been a, a full on disaster. And well, OK, well, then if you are Pixar and your bar of success is not a, this isn't a full on disaster, then good for you. Pat yourselves on your back. Enjoy your free kind bars or whatever you have at the Pixar uh, HQ. Go ahead and go home and believe that you're still at the top of your game and you're still important to culture. You can believe that. Go ahead and do it, but it ain't going to make it true, okay? Because there's something gnawing in their bellies that they know it's coming to an end. And guess well, what? You've got you've got partners in that because Marvel is coming to an end, okay? it's Of course, you're still going to have big movies from Marvel, but they're no longer 
a rush out and see. They're a wait and see. And Pixar is a wait and see. And you know what's not a wait and see? Mario. Mario is not a wait and see. It's a rush out and see. Illumination are rush out and see. Okay? And you're not rush out and see anymore, Pixar. That's fine. But they just had a, but stop a very celebrating good fifth your, weekend. They had a Stop very celebrating good fifth your weekend. tiny victories. It's pathetic. It's sad. These tiny victories that they're they're they, who oh my god. If I had these this such small victories in my life, I don't know if I could keep going. I think if you had a good fifth weekend, you'd be happy about it in your life. Listen, if you, I don't if know. You were doing we're, something for five weeks in a row, and you and you saw the fifth weekend of it was pretty good. I think you, I'd congratulate you if you ever I mean, had a listen, good fifth weekend. I don't know because we keep moving up the podcast charts, so I'm not in the same position as as Pixar. Okay. I feel like I'm looking up, and they're looking down. Obviously, so, the, the Bo Boys are closer to being the center of the culture than Pixar is, but Pixar with Elementals is not in the grave yet which is where they could have been. So they staved off uh, the death nil yes. for now. So I guess throw a huge party. But if I was Disney, listen, Dial of Destiny was a turd. Haunted Mansion is going to be a turd. We're, I mean, that's a movie we're going to talk about. That thing, oh my God, talk about DOA. Disney's going to have one of the worst summers other than Guardians they've ever had. So... <coughs> maybe to end on this, you know, we look at the look back to guardians and how mm -hmm. that opened uh, lower than everyone thought. And there was some hand wringing after guardians opened, and then it's gone on to have a outstanding run. Great legs got to 358 million domestic after opening. Just want to check again real quick. What it opened at, it did open to 118. So, yeah, obviously twice as much as what Mission Impossible or more than what Mission Impossible. <coughs> Do you see any chance that Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning has a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 type <coughs> run? You Pardon know? me. Um, No, uh, I just don't think so. I mean, it's not a super. I mean, it's it. There are different leagues. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. movies, even yeah. the lowest superhero movie is. Has more interest that well, well, not getting obviously not getting to the raw number of you know getting to three hundred and fifty. You mean the drops? Domestic. The drops. You know, Guardians had a very a good second weekend, forty eight percent drop. Had a good forty eight percent. Then it was thirty six, forty nine. Uh, you know, I I do think Dead Reckoning could do that. Possibly could be dropping around, you know, high forties or fifty million. I mean. I think it's possible because what happened with Guardians is it's a very good movie that people waited for more than they usually do superhero movie and the word of mouth was good. So that to me, that's the best case scenario of Mission Impossible. I think what Guardians had going for it was that June runway of turd after turd opening, whereas Dead Reckoning obviously has Barbie and Oppenheimer coming out next week. I mean, but it movie. could make hay in August. I mean, that it is could make possible. hay in August. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, definitely. listen, it is not going to be a huge disappointment. No, no, it would be. It would, that's the thing. It would be. Well, we'll see on our preview weekend. We'll go over our predictions, even with all the competition coming up. It'd be surprising if Dead Reckoning had like a 60 percent drop. I still think the hold will be good. Um, 
in its second weekend. So mm-hmm. we will see anything else that you want to nope. touch on in to this top about. 10. And we, last we, thing, Clayton, you know, we touched on it earlier. You're currently on strike. You mm-hmm. are a member of SAG in bad standing. You haven't paid your dues in years, but yeah, officially since you're part of SAG, Clayton is on strike. Uh-huh. Have you uh, picketed anything this week? Have you, uh, you know, whether it's a, a production or just have you stood out? So have you loitered outside of any businesses? What has your strike activity been in these first few days of the strike? I mean, not much. I mean, obviously, you know, my my mind is taken up a lot with box office. I had to watch these numbers. I didn't have right. much else I could do. Um you know, maybe I'll go over to Silver Cup. I don't know if anything's going on over there. Right. But right. Uh, I could bop by Silver Cup, maybe, you know, throw a few eggs, make my presence known. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Are they encouraging egg throwing? Or is this no, just but I think you got to get dirty. I, I, I think everybody's having too much fun at these picket lines. I think they need to start getting a little bit more riled up. Okay. Um, is it's too something- kumbaya theater, theater you know, kid energy at these, at these, uh, picket lines. I think that needs to change. Okay. Is that something you're planning to just, uh, take upon yourself and just do, or will you bring that to your SAC president's Fran Drescher directly? Will you suggest we start throwing eggs, get these actors some eggs? Let me tell you something real quick. Cause I know, I mean, Fran Drescher, if you watch that speech, I know she's a TV actress, huh? You know, Beautician and the Beast never launched her into stardom as a Mm. movie star, although she was part of Spinal Tap, which is an all time classic. Maybe not a box office classic, but definitely on the cult film circuit can do midnight showings. I'll tell you what, that speech fired me up. Mm -hmm. That was a fiery speech. And I know I was a little glib last time, you know, last episode, I was being very glib about the strike. But I'm all in now, baby. You know, Whack it almost out. makes me want to pay my dues. It almost makes me want to pay my dues. I'm not gonna, but it almost makes me want to. So we'll see. I mean, there could be some rabble rousing in my future. There's wow. a possibility that I might be, you know, incarcerated for my actions. Who knows? Wow. But, uh, it's a possibility. It's a wow. possibility. So we've done. I would have to do it after Barbie Oppenheimer. I mean, we will have to talk in the future coming up because I think the promotion for Barbie and Oppenheimer has been done. Those movies have been yes. properly. They had their marketed. Premieres. They had their yeah. premieres. We've seen Gosling. We've seen uh, Barbie herself. Margot Robbie's seen been everywhere. Margot yeah. Robbie, you know, uh, there was the big walkout at Oppenheimer, which gave it much press, yep. which was good. But coming up, I mean, some of these movies at the end of the uh, at the end of this uh, summer, they're they're not going to even be able to do promotion for it. Like it was right. like there was no talk shows, but there's going to be no shows. I mean, this is going to be bad for some of these movies. Right, right. It would be one thing when they're you know, Strays was originally supposed to open in June, and mm-hmm. when it moved to August, a theory as to why it moved to August was. The WGA was gone on strike. Therefore, the talk shows would be dark mm-hmm. in June. And so you couldn't have Will Ferrell and Will Forte and all and Jamie Foxx and so on go on late night talk shows because of the WGA strike. Now, because of the SAG strike that you're a part of, 
they can't do anything. So Will Ferrell can't even do a podcast to promote this show. They're not allowed to do any promotion because they're striking. So you can't have Will Forte do hot ones or Jamie Foxx do hot ones. That is all off the table. They can't do WTF. They can't do it. He can't be barely audible on a rewatchables. Right. You know, he right. can he doesn't even have the uh opportunity to not be heard okay. on a show as big as the rewatchables. Is that oh, I do wonder if that counts. Uh, you know, when you're part of SAG, so you 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 maybe could look into the bylaws. Could these actors go on the rewatchables to promote their movies as long as Bill Simmons Forgets to press press record record on the good microphone. I I mean, I I do think that promoting your film only using the built-in microphones on your laptop, that may be permissible to SAG. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if if you had a real producer who was hitting record and everything was sounding great, sure, that's, you know, that is doing, yeah, that that's breaking the, the, the SAG strike. But as long as you go on a Bill Simmons show and he's not hitting record on the good microphones, to me, that doesn't feel like that's actually even promoting the movie. Well, at that point, it's just a Zoom conversation. Exactly. It's not even a recording session. Right, right, right. So I think that's something for you to, when you have your weekly meeting with Fran Drescher, ask her if if you should start throwing eggs and mm-hmm. ask her if actors could promote their movie on podcasts where the host does not press record on the good microphone. I mean, it it stinks because, you know, we're getting big and we could get some of these high profile people, but we always press record. So we always press record so they can't come on here. And, and obviously we're, you know, you're part of SAG, so you're not going to break any no. of your union's rules. So, nope. yeah, you will not press record on a star that is trying to promote their movie. Can't do it. The strike is going on. No place for scabs on this podcast for sure. So Clayton, uh, I think that's all we've got this week. So listen, everybody, first thing here, give us five stars on Apple podcasts. And I got to say, you know, we should have started the show by thanking our wannabe. Oh, boys, wannabe. Oh, girls, wannabe. Oh, people, because we have gotten a rush of reviews on Apple podcasts the last few weeks, some amazing five-star reviews. And the thing that I'm seeing in several reviews is just people saying, love the show, blah, blah, blah. We got that from uh, a fan called riff man just wrote, love the show, blah, 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 five stars. That's all you got to do is you just got to write in love the show, blah, 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 five stars. Yep. And that is, Helps new listeners find this show. We got several of those. Tambo7 told us that. Uh, and, and we've got Movie Man 1025 said, I'm not a critic, huh? We love seeing people say, I'm not a critic, huh? Write whatever you want as long as you give us five stars. And also, we're getting lots of people who said they found us through the Kirk Minahan episode. They were Minna fans and now they are. Wanna be old boys, wanna be old girls, wanna be old people. People. Yeah, we got one from The Ringa who said, Love the show, blah, 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 five stars. Minahan bump, love the show, blah, 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 five stars. Seriously love it. And weekly pod rotation now. Keep up the great box office analysis. We also got one from Kirk in the Car that's okay. a very enjoyable podcast, five stars all day. Although 
they gave us four stars. So Kirk in the car, maybe go back and just add that one star because you did say five stars in your review. You want to be a person of your word. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like sometimes people get so excited that they just tap their or they got big thumbs. You know, I think that's still yeah. a problem these days with the big thumbs. So the Maverick bump might not have been real, but the Minahan bump is definitely real for the BO oh, boys. It is definitely so, real. So give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Of course, follow us on social media. We are on TikTok. We are on Twitter at the BO Boys Pod. Want to be our intern Christopher killing it with the vertical videos. And I will be meeting in person for the first time. Want to be our intern Christopher in just a few days because I will be traveling to San Diego for Comic-Con and want to be our intern Christopher will also be there. So we're going to be together. We're seeing the Barbie movie on Friday night and we're going to be boots on the ground reporting from comic-con so if you're in san diego if you are a listener who lives in san diego i'm going to be out there so you know come by the convention center you know and if you see me amongst the three four hundred thousand people well this year there's not going to be any movie stars tv stars actors this is going to be a celebrity light san diego comic-con so Honestly, at this point, the B.O. Boys, a B.O. Boy being on site at Comic-Con, Biggest I moved to the, the top, you know, two, three percentile of stars that will be appearing at San Diego Comic-Con. Obviously, podcasters are not on strike, so I'm not breaking any union rules by appearing at San Diego Comic-Con. But uh, yeah, if you're in San Diego... I'm going to be out there and want to be oh intern. Christopher is going to be out there on site at Comic-Con. Love seeing I love how, our, yeah, yes. I mean, you do, and I know you do, but um, I just, I know you're setting a precedent with with you, and I think it's great that you want to meet the fans, the want to be oh boys, want to be oh girls, want to be oh people. People. But I'm going to respectfully ask um, if I am recognized on the street, no matter where I am, uh, do not approach. Uh, that is a DNA for everyone. Do not approach right, me. Right. I, you know, and a DNR you, also, if you see Clayton, absolutely a DNR that's, it's already in the will and you know that, right. But right. I put it DNA, there. you put it there. Yeah. yeah. You're the executor of my will. Yeah. But DNA, just remember that when yeah. you see this face, you go the other way. Yes. The other, I mean, the thing is, if you see Clayton in public, there is a good chance he has a carton of rotten eggs that he's about to throw. So you just want to steer clear in general. Mm -hmm. You don't want to get hit with one of his strike eggs. But I'm much more approachable as long as you keep it quick, you keep it brief, you don't ask for autographs or pictures, you just come over and state your fandom. But I will be in San Diego at Comic-Con this week. So San Diego listeners, look for... Me and want to be a winter and Christopher. That's where we'll be. Follow us, of course, on YouTube. We are YouTubers now. The YouTube channel is growing. And so subscribe to us on YouTube. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. And Clayton, what else do you do on YouTube? Ring that bell. Ring that bell. Every time you ring that bell, I don't know, something for a kidnapped child. Let's sure. just 
put it out there. It works for Angel yeah. Studios. So for us, ring, every time you ring that bell, something, something, a kidnapped child. Mm-hmm. So let's see where that gets us. And uh, of course, email us the BO Boys podcast at gmail.com. We love getting your emails and uh, we will read more of those on the preview episode later in the week. So send us your boots on the ground reporting, your predictions. I mean, this is a big one. Send it's us the your biggest, yeah, biggest weekend of the summer for sure. Yes. So send us your predictions for the opening weekend of Barbenheimer for the opening weekend of Barbie for the opening weekend of Oppenheimer. You know, we'll get into it later in the week, but do you think Barbie's going to open to 150? You know, I mean, it, it it's wild what these numbers are looking like now. So send us your predictions at the BO Boys podcast at gmail.com. I would say get us your predictions by Wednesday morning because mm-hmm. we may be recording Wednesday night. So if you have a prediction email you want to send us, Send us by early Wednesday, the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. We'll read them on the episode. And I think that's it. I think that's that's all I got. Yeah, it's got to be it. There can't be be. anything else, Pat. There cannot be a single other thing to say. No, except for until next time. We'll smell you. Ah, uh, fuck.